Welcome to Envision from the United Way of Greater Charlottesville and News Radio 98.9 and 1070 AM WINA with Bryce Thomas. I'm Robbie Rossetto coming to you right here from downtown Charlottesville. I want to thank our sponsor, Jamie White Real Estate. And with that, Price. And so today we are back in the in the studio away from the heat with uh, with our friend Andre Key, local mentor, founder of Andre Key's Mentoring Service. My man, appreciate you taking some time for us today. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. You you beating the heat, all right? Oh yeah, it's, you know I, you know it's a little cool today compared uh, to the cool 94, today. 95. Yeah, we've only like touching high eighties <laughs> out there cooking, man. I look, I'm like eight shades darker. It's hard to you know I gotta gotta check on my like shoulders and the other. Other pieces of me to get right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about obviously you and, and the mentoring service and your work in town. But to get us started and to get the folks grounded, give us just a little bit about you and about the work that you're doing for us here in town. Okay, I'll, I'll start quickly, talk about myself for a few minutes. Uh, Andre Keys Mentoring, I'm a local guy. Um, I've been doing mentoring uh, since about 1995. That started in a, a program. I was a college athlete at Charleston Southern University. And one of the um, programs that we were uh, voluntold to participate in was a, sports go, right? <laughs> a, a mentor program. <laughs> the program was called Little Bucks, Little Bucks. So that's how it all got started. 1995. You know, you can do the math. I've been doing it for a good little while. So <laughs> <laughs> Andre Key's mentoring service. We do supervised visitation, visit coaching, parent coaching, mentoring. We work on communication skills, problem solving skills, interpersonal skills, social social skills, and we work on job skills. Mm. So, Andre, can you tell me a little bit about your business, um, how you got started, and um, why you decided to be a mentor? Okay, it's, it's like I said, it started back in college. I knew that was something that's important for the youth. I've I, I seen the results when we were providing that services in in Charleston, South Carolina. We worked in rural schools. We worked in mm-hmm. um, in the city schools. And I've seen that the, the dividends that it provided for the youth that were in those communities. And uh, I know that... Um, Growing up from a single parent, I know the importance of having a a relative or someone that can um, touch you. It's all about relationships. You know, once you develop that relationship, that's when the good work starts with mentoring youth, kids, adults, or anyone. We, we've talked to a lot of people about this, and, and most recently we talked to Ty about this. I want to ask you, as someone who, who works with young people, just sort of the importance of a diversity of experiences and having people in their orbit who can who can you know, sort of broaden their horizons, as it were, right? Because I think we feel like we fall into these kind of very prescriptive cultural paths, right? Yeah, diversity is important because that's when you learn when you when there is a diverse population that you work with. In order to curve the craziness going on in the world, we have to learn from one another, and once we learn and build those relationships, that's when the stereotypes just disappear. Yeah. We all know that we are very similar. Yeah. So who was your mentor in high school? Like who kind of was there for you and got you started and helped you think about college and beyond? Um, it was uh, uncles and, you know, I, I played on some successful basketball teams in high school. So the pathway was already there. It's just the hard work that needed to be done to get there, you know. If you think about coaches and the relationships that you have, a lot of the um, people that you remember are really at the high school level. You know, I played college mm-hmm. sports, and the, believe it or not, the coaches that I remember that did the most for me were the local coaches. You know, that's why mm-hmm. if any school administrators are listening, you know, mm-hmm. please invest more into the local coaches. And, mm-hmm. you know, they really set the tone for the youth out there. 
we talked about this before, but how do historically black colleges play into all this? Do you think kids that want that opportunity are getting that exposure, or getting steered that direction, visiting campuses? No, you know, I, I had a program um, where we, well, we took kids to HBCUs just to see that there is um, a different, a lot of alternatives out there that would meet you. It's all about matching kids up with the right environment, the right support system. You know, mm-hmm. even with any school, you know, you have to go to the right fit. But HBCU is an alternative, a cheaper alternative. And, you know, they might give you that second chance that another school might not. You know, you might have problems in school, but, you know, a PVCC or HBCU or any school, you know, you have to find that program that's your knit. Yeah. So you have to make sure that one thing I like to do with the kids I mentor, you have to expose them to the world. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And also far as activities we do, you know, you have to really allow them to be kids, allow them to, you know, you remember being a kid, the important things that your family did, you know, those are things that you remember once you get older. And you tend to pass that down on to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. So talk a little bit about that that <clears throat> level of exposure. I mean, what are some things that, that you think about are important? And, and sort of when we hit on this experiential piece of it, right? You know, I think that people don't understand entirely. Not We, we think about it, I think, strictly financially, right. right? You have, whether you live in poverty or economically disadvantaged, you have a single parent. We think about that in very kind of tangible terms. We have less money. But uh-huh. What does that mean for a kid with regards to experiences like you talked about, access to sports or, right. or trips or going to museums or Disney World or whatever the case may be? <laughs> well, I'll tell you a quick story. <laughs> I worked at Elk Hill Farm um, many years ago, and I was a leader, and used to take kids on camping trips. So we had yeah, kids yeah, yeah. there that were from the cities, and they never <laughs> have had the opportunity to climb a tree. Sure, <laughs> sure. So we, we're in the um, wilderness. We're at a campsite, and, you know, if you can see the excitement on a kid just able to climb a tree, yeah. that's something that I will remember for the rest of my life. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Things that we take for granted, you know, being able to swing on a tree branch. Absolutely. <laughs> we joke with Ty about that because he did yeah. the, the black ski fest. He was like, we had a bunch of black folks at Massanut, and he was like, you yeah. want to talk about some crazy looks. like Or, or, our, or hiking on the AT. I remember that's right. going there for three days, you know, uh, leading a group. And I'm like thinking to myself, these people really trust me. I've never done yeah. this before, you yeah. know. So you just have to act like you're the best out there. But I think people yeah. discount how formative that experience is, right? For mm-hmm. the, That's what we talk about when we have sort of diversity of experiences because that's something I think that we think about with our kids. Like, yeah, we'll go in the woods. We'll go for a walk. We'll go <laughs> right. for a hike. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's real novelty to that, and there's something there's something really important to that, especially as these kids grow up. Um, and so, and you mentioned the, the age mm-hmm. range. Is that, for your business particularly, I mean, what, what do you say is kind of like the most primal moment for a lot of these kids and when you reach them and and, and work with them is there a time where you look at them like "Mm, you know it's really important to capture kids in this in this particular window i think you know i work with kids as young as four mentoring Mm. wow um, and all the way up until age 21 20 i think you have to really if you're in this business you really have to commit yourself to following them through their journey in life Mm. you know you have to be a resource for them no matter what part of their life they're in you know you know I've been to several of my kids that I work with weddings I've been to their graduations I've been Mm -hmm. to their ball games you know you just have to be that outlet just in case they might go rail for you know a day or two you know Mm -hmm. they remember that relationship that you built with them that you know that they can trust it's all about trust you know building that trust factor with Mm -hmm. kids yeah I was gonna say trust but also knowing that somebody expects the best from them oh yeah you know to be a big that's a big thing what I tell my kids, do your best, and your best, we should be able to overcome the obstacle. 
just come show up and give it your 100%, and we will be fine. Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about the kinds of kids you serve. What kind of obstacles have they faced or do they face? Oh, man, it's all type of obstacles. Educational, uh, financial, it's, it's everything that you can throw on the chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, kids, you know, they like kids like being kids, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate this, you know. I like just to provide any opportunities, Is it, you know, as far as going to the park, King's Dominion, you know, going fishing. You know, fishing doesn't cost much. Just go buy some worms or, you know, let's go find the worms. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, it's it's priceless to see when a kid catches first fish. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, things we take for granted. Are, are there any kids that kind of stand out for you over the years? Anybody that you work with where they came from a difficult background and you just saw how mentoring really changed? Oh, yeah, I have a kid right now that's, uh, I think he's about 22. He's working for the Postal Service, you know. He got his first check, and, you know, you work at post services. You work unlimited overtime. Sure. You deliver packages. Amazon, we love our Amazon. We've got to get mm-hmm. it in two days. So. Until you're on the other side <laughs> of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, he he called me. He was like, Coach Key, man, <laughs> take a look at my check. Is it for real? <laughs> you know, he had made so much money, he didn't even know what he was supposed to do with it. That's wild. You know? Yeah. Well, and that, that leads me into financial planning. We think yeah. a lot about that at United Way, like when people have those resources that they're not used to and they hadn't necessarily been taught how to invest them or, or how to save them. I mean, how does that come up for you? Do you see that play out? Yeah, you know, you have to uh, talk financial literacy with them. You have to, you know, help them set up that bank account and just come up with some short-term goals about, you know, what you're going to do with your money, you know, yeah. set aside a little budget to figure out, you know, you know, what you're going to do with your money and talk about ways to invest the money. Yeah, absolutely. Those of you just joined us, well, I'm getting dirty looks across the desk. I, we're going we're gonna to film this more often so people can see how, you go through? how I'm getting snarled tough. at here. Yeah, this is Envision from the United Way of Greater Charlottesville, News Radio 98.9, 1070 AM WINA with Ravi Respeto. This is Price Thomas hanging out here with Andre Key of Andre Key's Mentoring Service. Um, so I do want to ask you about that because, because again, something that we think about a lot and talk about is, is systems versus kind of the immediacy of a lot of the needs of these kids you work with. Is that something that you guys think about with regards to yeah, really, I mean, when you talk about education or economic mobility, how do you, how do you parse out the, look, there are things that need to get done today, right? There are interventions that need to be made right now versus there's some systemic issues that will keep these kids, right? We keep trying to solve the same problems over and over. And is that something that you guys tackle? Like, look, we have to sort of attack the root causes and some systemic work, but we understand that, man, there's so many kids who just need to get to tomorrow. Yeah. When you're a mentor, it's so difficult because you have to really focus on the the um, ground level work far as the education, the trust that the systemic stuff is so beyond a lot of things that you can control at Mm. the beginning. So you just have to really rebuild the foundation and work from there. When you're Mm -hmm. dealing with kids, you know, you have to start, you have to really hit the reset button a lot of times when you're dealing with kids, Mm. you know, restructure, you know, make school important, you know, make getting up on time important. You have to set small Mm. tangible goals to start off with first. Mm. When you work with kids, do you kind of lay out different career paths or opportunities? I mean, we think a lot about this, again, at United Way, workforce development. You know, a lot of kids with, you know, from certain backgrounds get funneled into certain careers, mm. right? Like, how do we think about that where we really have diversity of experience? Yeah, you have to be real honest with, with yourself and with the kid, you know, figure out what they really like and figure out what their educational background is. And, and you know, as a coach, you kind of have to set a plan that you know that they're going to succeed and you know you know what the ultimate goal is you always work towards that but you have to also be realistic with them to let them know that you know work hard do your best and let's see what happens absolutely 
Well, and kind of a follow-up. Sorry, I just I just jumped right in there, oh, but no. I'm just curious. No. What are your thoughts? And 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 you know, if if you don't want to comment, that's fine. But <laughs> on the recent um, decision to start paying college athletes, <laughs> it's well, awesome for all college athletes. <laughs> yeah, I wish you would have got. Paid. I want back pay. Yeah, right. I'm about, I'm about I'm to start a petition for the, all the old hey, guys to yeah, get paid too. Because yeah. you know that first game of the season, that was us every year. You know, playing a Florida State or playing. That's right. Well, we didn't play Florida State, That's but right. they currently played, and we were small. Who was uh, who was the biggest team you guys played? We played uh, UAB and we played South Florida. Oh yeah, yeah, some serious dudes. Oh man. yeah, especially when you were a, uh, a small. Uh, we won double A back then. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I said, now it's a bold subdivision. Yeah, I think that's important. I think you will stop a lot of the scandals that are going on in college sports, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it will give them an opportunity to be able to have a little – I mean, I remember being in college, man, and, um, you know, having to always at night when the um, cafeteria is closed go get a go to the dollar menu at uh, <laughs> Wendy's or Taco Bell, you know, because, yeah. you know, money is limited. You know, it would be yeah. nice to um, for them to set up an appropriate fund for the college athletes so when – when they're finished playing, we know not a lot of players go pro where they have a little bit of money to get their that career started. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I think, you know, it's only going to probably benefit the uh, the major players, you know, the ones that are the five-star, four-star athletes as far as getting paid. But mm-hmm. it's going to be a trickle-down effect because the relationships that you build with all your teammates. And it'll be nice for everybody to be able to share the, share the wealth. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's a billion-dollar business. We all know that. Um, <laughs> Billion-dollar business. And a lot of the guys, if they get you know injured or anything uh-huh. comes up along the way. Hey, I can know. I can tell you from an athlete, it is definitely two full-time jobs. Uh, getting up in the morning. Being a student. Yep, yeah. at 5 o'clock workouts, uh, 12 o'clock conditioning, 3 o'clock film sessions, <laughs> 4 o'clock practice till 7 o'clock, and then study hall at 8 o'clock. So, and I haven't even talked about when you go to your classes. Correct. When you study. I, I saw it with my kids in high school. It was, you know, it's <laughs> intense, man. I mean, you don't know when to be a student, like the, the practice thing alone, the travel. And then the most important part is your social life. When do you put that in there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Andre, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about COVID and okay. um, how it's hit our minority communities the hardest um, by comparison. And, and just curious, you know, did it change your business? Um, how did it affect the families you serve? Kind of what was the fallout? Yeah, at the beginning, it definitely was a, a came to a complete stop, a halt, you know, because mm-hmm. we had to figure this this horrific uh, moment in time. We had to figure it out. It was serious, you know. I remember watching um, the governor from uh, New York every day doing his press conference and looking mm-hmm. at the deaths. I mean, it was serious, you know. So how we adapted, we adapted by using Zoom, man. Zoom mm-hmm. was amazing. So we were able to do a lot of our supervised visitation over Zoom, check in with our mentors over Zoom, you know. Well, we, our business is basically in person, so, you know, we were just basically surviving until as time went on, mm-hmm. you know, wearing a mask became the thing to do. So we were able to um, <laughs> attempt to distance ourselves in the vehicles, you know, sure. and only have maybe one, one kid in the back seat of the car and, you know, you know, use the thermometers, use the hand sanitizers and all that good stuff. So yeah. as time went on, we learned how to adapt and, you know, we eventually got back to doing mentoring, you know, now vaccinations are available, you know, that's important to us to keep on um, progress and doing this, mm-hmm. this, this moment in time, you know, you know, I would encourage anybody out there that's, you know, to get the vaccination and become vaccinated so we can resume 
um, thing, the new normal soon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're hearing about um, <clears throat> local minority communities. People don't want the vaccine for all kinds of reasons that, that we could. That's a separate conversation. <laughs> yeah. We've I, lost some people because of it. So oh, yeah. I got the Delta virus. Right? Everybody has lost probably a family. What I do, yeah. I, I encourage people to whatever your situation is, they're, they're, you know, you get the vaccination, you if you get um, the coronavirus, you will probably survive. So that yeah. was the important thing for me taking the vaccination is that, you know, you know, I got a, you know, everybody has their own risk factors, but you know, I knew that taking a vaccination, it will, I will have a better outcome. Give mm. you a leg up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So uh, I want to ask you some about, you know, in working with kids, kids spend a little, not last year, but more often than not, I spend a lot of time in schools. Mm-hmm. And, and so how important to you as you think about the, the your mentoring service and, and even your children growing up in your family unit and thinking about what we know about schools and who become teachers, mm-hmm. right? And I, someone's going to fact check this, but I'm pretty sure it's overwhelmingly <laughs> white women become right, teachers, right. my wife being one of them, and she's a wonderful teacher. Um, but thinking about that, do you think about cultural competency at all and, and all the things that we know about how, how black kids and black mm-hmm. boys in particular are disciplined and the track that puts them on as they sort of matriculate through school and you being a mentor and to some degree an interventionist, do you it's sort of a two-part question. Do you work with the schools at all? Do you plug into that? And also, how do you work with these kids as they grow up, understanding that they're spending a lot of time in, in a system that's not necessarily built to help them thrive? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a coach also. I coach basketball at Fluminum County High School, so I know the importance of um, having a diverse staff, diverse coaching staff. You have to have the the staff represent the kids that, that are there, you know, because, you know, I'm a black male, you know, coaching white kids you know I have mm-hmm. to be able to relate and to adapt to them that's mm-hmm. it's important you know yeah. in order to have your school your community thrive diversity and inclu- inclusion is very important you know mm-hmm. to be able to survive and is there so how, how do we influence more black people and black men in particular to go into teaching because I remember I've had I can think of I had one black teacher the entire the entirety of my mm-hmm. school career I guess you could call it I think I had one too he was a uh, band director right <laughs> right so right and so and, and that's a familiar story right. Rob Gray Derek Rush I mean a lot of us who are who are from this area right and some of it it's funny I talked to Rob and I think one of his was my mom right so you know we had this you know we know let me put it this way we know in town right who they are we can name them yeah. right but yet and still you have a, a high population of kids for whom they're not represented in the place that they spend a lot of their time in a place that contributes greatly to their growth and as someone who works with them is there i mean is there how do you met that out for you right from a competency standpoint but also is there any way that you can think of like how do we encourage more people or more people like yourself mm-hmm. to get into roles that are mentoring kids and so that they can look at you and be like oh like yeah, I can I could do that. I I can see myself in him and and you know provide that growth moving forward. Yeah, I think it's simple. You know, I th- I think the problem is you know with with sports in general, you know, black kids, you know, they think that's the way out. It is the way out for mm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize that it's only a, a small percentage is going to be able to make it. So if you redirect mm-hmm. the mind and be like, you know what, sports is just a good outlet. It's just a way that only a few are going to make it. So if you if you throw other blue collar jobs at them, you throw other opportunities besides mm. the dream of playing professional sports at an early age. I think you will have more black males become teachers, firefighters, police officers, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to. Unfortunately, a lot of the kids um, in sports they think that the only way to make it is to become a professional athlete. So sure. I think that eliminates a lot of the 
other opportunities at the beginning and the mindset to go into those fields. Mm, interesting. From a workforce development perspective, are you, when you have high school um, kids, are you showing them different career tracks that they could consider and like the income they can make actually, which can be substantial. You just talked about this young man in the U.S. Post Office. Oh, yeah. You know, you have to get them involved in looking at the PVCCs and a lot of, a lot of the high schools have great trade programs. I know Fluana County High School has a barbering program, come on, on, uh, uh, nursing program. So they already Mm -hmm. have a lot of the, uh, program set up where you can get your your nursing um become a cna in high school and all that stuff so they're there you just have to make sure the kids know about that and and funnel them into that just think about i mean think about getting your cosmetology license when you're in high school and didn't go to college i mean you're your part-time job, you could be at the haircut you're making some serious money you can make serious yeah yeah so uh, and and in that vein is there a sort of a cultural component to that, right? Because I remember I came up in the early 2000s. I came up in kind of the, the you know, kind of Nelly, Jay-Z, you know, St. Lunatics <laughs> era, right? And that's what shaped a lot of my view of myself as a 12, 13-year-old kind of coming right. of age black boy. Is, is there a cultural component that you fight upstream against? All right, try to convince me at 14 that I should be like a consultant. Right. No right. chance. I'm going to be an right. athlete. I'm going to be right. an artist. I'm going to be right. that's it, period, because that's what I've seen. I don't see people that look like me working in finance. I don't see people that look like me working in nursing. And so if we don't have those tangible examples out in the world, mm-hmm. how how difficult is it for you to be like, look, man, you could you can be a, a paralegal. And he's like, what the hell is that? Well, yeah, you could be a doctor at UVA. <laughs> yeah, but I don't see that. Right. So how right. does that work for you? I mean, how do you have those conversations without really being without really being able to point to examples of of people that look like them or that have even their background doing that because even so i think about myself and it's it's a little bit of a false flag right because my background's different i might look like that but i have my own right i have my own privilege i have some different stuff in there as well so it's not it's not even only about sort of the reflective aspect it's from that background someone who came because you know like you said a lot of people that come from those areas only think there's it's one of two ways mm-hmm. it's like music or sports right. and that's it right. yeah. um and so that was me ranting. That wasn't me asking you a question. The question is, how do you sort of build an archetype from, you know, from your work? And, and Or is there a way to do that? Oh, it's definitely a way. You know, there are a lot of successful black males out there that, that are doctors, lawyers, uh, all those good jobs. So you have to just build a network and just basically mm. have a, a career day where these kids see that, that opportunity to be whatever they want to be you know now you know my son loves to play video games now you can make millions of dollars just playing video games like i read an article today that lebron james son one of his favorite things to do is to play video games <laughs> we, he's a successful you know basketball player but he his video games is his thing to do yeah, yeah. absolutely so there's plenty of opportunities do your best show up on time you'll be successful out there you know you just have to steal some core values in kids and, mm. and be a great role model for them to follow and is there i do you're looking at me no 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 i don't have a question (laughs) just the the quick follow-up to that i think is 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 there a way and i think all that's important and the values and sort of the the moral compass do you find it difficult sometimes even with that because of maybe the background or the opportunity or the resources because i think that part of it is that you know you have these kids and you can show them be like look this guy can be a lawyer but he's thinking man i'm having trouble in school like (laughs) i gotta go to college i gotta there's there's all these seemingly insurmountable hurdles between here and there 
Um, and, you know, is it are you kind of like, look, we'll take it one step at a time. You know, how do you sort of work through some of the difficulty there? Oh, yeah. Every challenge you have to meet the challenge and, and defeat the challenge. Yeah, there are there are always going to be hurdles for everyone. You know, I have to let the kids know early, you know, it's that hard work, that dedication, you know. It's not going to happen overnight, but you have to stick to the plan no matter what the plan is mm. and be ready for the hurdles to come and overcome. Just like in sports, you know, you're not going to win every game. But guess what? Get back up, refocus, retrain, watch film, and get back to to the goal that's in hand. You know, you have to prepare kids that it's, it's never going to be easy mm-hmm. in whatever you do in life. But prepare yourself, be ready, and good things will happen to you. Absolutely. So my last question is about your own family. I, I don't know what time is. I'm, I feel like it's the end, so I keep looking at you like, do we have time for no, more questions? Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so with your own family, you talked about your daughter being involved. Um, what's it like to work with your own family, one, and two, to see your daughter, you know, playing a role now in your company? Yeah, let me give a quick shout-out to my wife, G. She's part of the uh, Andre Keys Mentor That's Service. That's smart man. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, yeah. And, out, and my daughter, Bree Key, she's also a mentor. And my son, Trey Key, he's ready to – take over the business when he gets uh, able. He's only 13, which he already said he wants to own the business. Oh, that's great. But it's awesome to, to have your family involved and um, and see the, the good work that they do. And, you know, it's awesome to see my daughter that she's giving back as well. She had some awesome programs coming up in middle school. She uh, had a backpack program where she started and funded and used to give backpacks out to the kids in school. So mm. it's, it's, it's a real pleasure to watch your family um, – um, do good work in the community, and you know we're we're looking to um, add more staff to our our business as well, just make it more diverse and inclusive, so we mm-hmm. can uh, thrive. You know, it's, it's all a learning process. You know, mm-hmm. you know everybody' main goal is to be able to do better and to uh, help the families out there that's in need. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this before, but where do your um, mentees come from? Is it school system, Department of Social Services? How do people get referred? Hey, they can. Get referred from all avenues, social service, uh, personal referrals, um, uh, the court system. I mean, just anybody. We take anybody that's that's in need of um, having a mentor or just someone to be able to talk to. One thing, I I like my business based on relationships, and we will answer the phone at 1 or 2 o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning. You know, mm-hmm. That's when the need is. We want to meet our services with the need. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, time goes by quick. We are done. Big thanks, Andre Key. It's been great talking to you. Uh, And to our sponsor, Jamie White Real Estate. If you guys have ideas for the show, want to get in touch with us, check us out on social media, all platforms at United Way Seville. Drop us a note. The inbox is open. Envision at UnitedWaySeville.org. If you want to keep up with Andre and the family business or you want to try and break into Andre's family business, check him out (laughs) online, AndreKeysMentoringService.com. For Robert Respeto, for my man Andre Key, this is Price Thomas. We will see you guys next week. Thank you.